Shumai, welcome back. Get H Hour Podcast merchandise uh, on the website. Go to shop.charliecharliewon.com um, or become a patron of the podcast and get access to everything early and get uh, access to freebies and exclusive event invites and stuff by going to uh, patreon.com forward slash hkpodcasts. Easy peasy. Sponsoring the podcast today is... Dan at Veteran Trees. I should say it is. Veteran Trees is sponsored the podcast today. They are a veteran-owned company run by, funny enough, by Dan. They do handcrafted and CNC-crafted bespoke commissioned pieces, wood pieces, woodwork, wood artwork, I'm going to describe this as. Uh, Dan, my, my girlfriend, got uh, four placemats. Placemats is the wrong word. These are four high quality wooden coasters place mats for the studio table so people to put their drinks on and uh the wood is amazing the finish is amazing they've got h hour and the logo branded in the top of them and one of them on the back has got a, a bottle opener inside as well he does all sorts of stuff you should go on his instagram right check out his instagram veteran trees instagram is at veteran underscore trees okay you can get a table okay the entire top of the table will be crafted so that it's in the shape of whatever you want it to be in the shape of for example the cap badge of your regiment for example the cap badge or the or the logo the emblem of your your core your unit you can get the whole table done like that either you can either get it either contoured so it's the actual contours like etched carved into the table cnc'd into the table or you can get it like branded on like my my uh, my coasters are it is fucking awesome stuff the level of detail is unbelievable unbelievable looking i'm right now looking at his instagram looking at a power edge cap badge and on the power edge cap badge on the top of it people aren't familiar with it there's like a crown there's a fucking lion they're really small okay compared to the rest of the cap badge and the the detail, the intricacy on the crown and line is unbelievable. So if you need stuff like that, if you want to get like a bespoke gift done, or maybe it's a gift for yourself, or maybe for someone else, maybe it's a promotion, a promotional gift, maybe it's a birthday gift, maybe it is a leaving gift, I am telling you, go to Instagram uh, at underscore, uh, no, at veteran underscore trees. Look for veteran trees, down at veteran trees, and he will square you away something. That the, the kit's unbelievable. Like if I was in now and I was leaving, I'd be like, "Oi, fuckers, give me something from, give me something from Dan at veteran trees. I want one of those things. Absolutely mega. Thank you to Dan and veteran trees for sponsoring the podcast. Also sponsoring the podcast today are the Aardvark Group, who were founded in 1982 and are formed by a, a high proportion of high percentage of uh, ex-military personnel actually the Arndvark group exists to they well initially existed to develop a, a mechanical landmine clearance system which would um, basically clear all the use of it would be to clear all known anti-tank and anti-personnel mines around the world um, using mechanical or manual means but also to locate identify and dispose of all other munitions and unexploded ordnance not an easy undertaking uh they, when they started out, they, they concentrated the design capabilities on the landmine clearance process, which would best suit the post-conflict and humanitarian clearance areas, for obvious reasons. And they chose a rotating flail, uh, chain flail system. Um, and in fact, it was, after all, it was a British invention to put a flail like this on the front of a World War II main battle tank for use in the liberation of Europe, right? Um, the consequence of the design philosophy has been to produce the most effective specialised vehicle for the destruction or detonation of landmines, while permitting that flail system to be adapted for attachment to minefield breaching machines. 
the tactically the world of landmines is enormous if you're ex-military listen to this you know this the estimate of numbers varies but they reckon there's in excess of 90 million mines just around the world waiting to mess someone's day up the red cross reckon it's more like 110 million and the problem not just the number of mines but it's the, the size of the area is contaminated okay croatia alone has got an area of 4,000 square kilometers contaminated by minefields and randomly scattered mines 4,000 square kilometers right is 4 billion square meters Area clearance is the real issue. And so the cost of clearance per square metre is vital to the commercial viability of the clearance process. And so Aardvark have got cost effectiveness and the safety of the operators of paramount importance to them. They've been doing it for more than five decades. Uh, they've not only developed that, uh, the, uh, that machinery that will cut about the minefields and clear the mines with the flail system, but they've also got other technical innovations which, which support operators fighting at the front line of conservation and the protection of natural resources. Uh, for example, they're involved with drones. You should get on their website and uh, look at everything that they do. And It's a pretty, pretty interesting, actually, it's a pretty interesting industry they're in and a pretty interesting technology they're in, into developing. So aardvark.group is the website and they're on social media as uh, they're on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. Just look for the Aardvark group. Easy peasy. Thank you to David and everybody there for supporting the podcast. Also sponsoring the podcast today are Rugby for Heroes. Rugby for Heroes are a not-for-profit organisation who they organise events to raise money for military charities. It's what they do, and they do it flipping well. They've been doing it for a long time. They've been doing it since 2009, uh, when they were formed in the wake of the death of Private Joe Whitaker, who was sadly killed on operations with the Parachute Regiment in 2008 in Afghanistan. They started off for the f- for most of most of their existence. They were doing just one event a year because that's what they were all about. One big quality event, and it was a rugby festival at Old Lemontonians RFC in Warwickshire, which is out of that rugby club that they were born um they have since over their time they've been able to pick it up over the last couple of years and introduce some more high quality events with just a small team behind them okay listen to this just a small team behind them behind rugby for heroes doing these events they have still managed to raise over one hundred and ten thousand pounds for military charities okay i am not ashamed to say when I've been struggling in the past, um, early on in the days of the podcast, actually, Rugby for Heroes have directly supported me they have, and they continue to support me indirectly and I've become very uh, uh, close to the organisation and now very supportive and actively involved with it and very proud to be because I can see, I've seen the benefit that they have. And they've also directly supported colleagues of mine as well and i'm sure there's uh, there's hundreds of if not thousands of people they've direct they've benefited directly and indirectly uh who i don't know and i never will know but throughout the military community so keep a tab on rugby for heroes they organize events obviously it's a bit difficult at the moment with covid um but you need to keep a tab on them because i think they're looking to do some online stuff at the moment in lieu and then as soon as the gloves are off and we can get round the rugby pitch or we can get anywhere and do anything together again rugby for heroes will be all over it and they'll be publishing those dates and um events on their uh, social media on, on the website so the social media is the best place to get them it's at rugby for heroes at rugby number four heroes and they're on twitter they're on facebook and they're on instagram and if you want to look at the website it's undergoing an update at the moment but it's available you can go take a look anyway at uh, no it's not at is it you flipping moron you their website is rugbyforheroes.org that's rugby f-o-r heroes.org not to confuse not to be confused with the social media which is at rugby number four heroes thank you mike and everybody at rugby for heroes for sponsoring the podcast but more importantly most importantly supporting the military community Thank you. My guest today is 
Keith J. Abram. Keith J. Abram is a former uh, soldier with two para, paratrooper with two para, uh, served in Afghanistan and uh, multiple other places. And he is now a he's a personal resilience coach, uh, and he's a psychedelic therapist. He's into psychedelic therapies uh, or psychedelics therapy. Psychedelic therapies? Psychedelic. Either way, you know what I mean. Psychedelic therapy, ayahuasca and DMT and all that kind of stuff. And he's had a, a pretty amazing journey uh, in the military and afterwards. Difficult journey, amazing journey. This is a good podcast. I really enjoy talking to him about it. I've got a real interest in uh, psychedelic therapy and uh, the benefit of, um, yes, psychedelics. So uh, this is a learning curve for me and it'll probably be a learning curve for you. This is H Hour Podcast. My guest is Keith Abram. Enjoy. Pleasure to finally secure time. We've been trying to get this in the bag for months, I think, months now. And then COVID's just been sticking two fingers up and saying, no, it's not happening. And then, uh, in fact, I think in my classical me stubbornness, no, we're not doing a Zoom call. And now I've got no choice. Everyone's yeah. on. A, everyone's online now. So even in this format, mate, it, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Pleasure to have you. Uh, thank you very much for having me, mate. Let's, uh, let's get straight into it, right? Um, you are obviously we got we got similar backgrounds. You you British Army. You serve a two para. I serve a three para. So our our our, our careers sort of crossed over in terms of time when we were both serving. Um, but moving on from that, um, I have an interest in psychedelics. As are you, my interest is very. I mean, I'm on the start of my journey, if you like, right? Mm. But you at the moment are at the moment and having for a while. You're involved in. You want to make psychedelics psychedelic substances more uh, legally accessible by by people who could benefit from them mentally would that be a right would that be a correct outline of the correct summary yeah uh, i would go further than just mental i believe there are other uh, opportunities in psychedelics but there's a great place to start there's so many people are struggling with their mental health uh, and psychedelics as I've, I've said many times in this journey that I'm on, but the, the anecdotal evidence for the benefits of psychedelic therapy is now entirely overwhelming. Uh, what we need is for the scientific community to catch up, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in, in, in the coming hour or so. Uh, the data needs to catch up, but it is, it is catching up. That All of the evidence is strongly suggestive of incredible benefits in multiple different regions of someone's uh, healing requirements, therapeutic requirements. So it's, it's, it's a very, very exciting field and it's a really exciting time in that field because it feels like it's going to explode and it's to the benefit of the majority of our society, not just the veterans community. Why do you feel so strongly about it? What's your own, what's your own background experience with this? I mean, mental health and the, and the psychedelics impact on that? Yeah, so I feel so strongly because it's my own personal experience as well. Uh, so I, 2008, I was with Two Power in Afghanistan. And that was a difficult summer, much like those summers, many of those summers were during that period. And I came back, started struggling, like, you know, I had a very typical experience. I think the majority of us struggled with those experiences. Um, 
And I found that, again, a very typical experience is that when I asked for help through the military, when I was still in the military, really the response was twofold. It was, you can either have pharmaceuticals like antidepressants, like sertraline, for instance, that was what I was prescribed. And, or you can have talking therapies like CBT, both of which I tried a few times as well. And both of them, particularly pharmaceuticals, the sertraline, the antidepressants, they were unhelpful is the politest term I've got for it. Um, and so I felt like I didn't, that was the only two options that I had. So I felt a little bit hopeless when they weren't working for me. And I started to kind of spiral out of control. I left the military, walked into an incredible job in the city working for JP Morgan. And, but I was unraveling fast and none of the, let's say conventional treatments, none of them were working. Nothing did, none of them did anything for me. And some of them were detrimental. And so I was pretty much losing hope. And that's when I was introduced to the idea of um, psychedelic therapy in the form of ayahuasca. And ayahuasca is a medicinal um, tea that's um, uh, like made in the Amazon basin. I went to the Peruvian Amazon basin uh, for my experience. And I went there hopeless. I left there psychologically healed of my past traumas that's not only my afghanistan experiences but of relationship breakdowns all sorts of personal traumas and sufferings that i had experienced in my life up until that point psychologically they, they had been healed i'd been healed i walked out of that jungle and i came home and i thought why why are we not able to do this why why is this illegal when it can have this benefit can I ask what the choice, sorry to interrupt. Can I ask what the, so I take it when you went to the, uh, with the Peruvian Amazon basin that you are, you are what, on a, on a leave from JP Morgan? Yeah, I just went on my holiday. Went on holiday. Why did you choose that area then? Uh, my, so I had a network. So a friend of mine, she's an American. She had an experience in a nearby area in Peru and she'd make, she'd, made friends with people in the jungle and they had a little wooden hut that was in an air, a very remote area of the jungle but they said that they would let me use their little hut for free and the nearby village the shaman the the local healer he came and spent time with me in that little hut spent 10 days i think it was and um so it wasn't, I didn't do any research. It wasn't with a tourist uh, kind of, it wasn't with an organization or anything that was, uh, there was no structure to it at all. It was just this local man came and helped me. So I wouldn't say that this is a typical experience, not in the least. <laughs> um, but for me, it's what I needed at that point. Uh, but there are lots of um, organizations and facilities in that region the majority of them very responsible, very professional and very safe. Um, but my experience was actually quite atypical is that I went alone and had a very solitary experience. But like I say, for me personally, that's what I needed to do at the time. Yeah. Well, what was your mindset going there then? So, so, so symptoms wise, what were you, what were you experiencing before you went? Oh, symptoms. So 
um, I was very tense physically. I was, I was holding myself in a stress position all day and all night. So my sleeping pattern was not, I, I didn't sleep. I, yeah, physically tense, like in my arms, in my shoulders, in my chest, in my abdomen, leap low down in my abdomen felt like I had a piece of lead in there. Um, that caused me to sweat excessively because my body was being tense the whole time. So I was just pouring with sweat all the time. It was exhausting, really exhausting. And my mind was just running at a thousand miles an hour all the time, all the time. It, totally exhausting, which I don't think this is a atypical experience of, of a lot of veterans. I think this sort of tension and this very fast running frantic mind, I think that's fairly common from what I now working in this environment feels very typical of the experiences that we share. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I had that for a long time. Uh, uh, yeah, I did. I had it for a long time during what I now know is to be a point in, which was really, really, really low in my mental health. And I mean, and over that, over that sort of prolonged period of really bad mental health, there is this, there are a couple of specific points where it's like super low, like the worst, mm -hmm. but looking back, the whole thing was, I was in, I was in tatters. And, and that was one of this, one of those symptoms there was, was a, a racing mind, which you, which for me, you, I just thought that was me. You know, that's how, just how I, that's how I function man like you say is exhausting and the ability to focus the ability to concentrate and it takes a long time to get out of it but yeah i, I understand it i mean the, the uh and that stress position analogy i mean you, things like that are like the smaller versions like grinding your teeth you know all, all yeah. kinds of little things is all hard up yeah no i i some of that i can i can empathize with and i'm sure people listening or watching can empathize with other things you're saying um and again not 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 military specific you know, no. this is, crosses over to other other walks of life. Other absolutely. Other, you know, I, I often say that um, you know the symptoms we experience are common across all people who who, who experience uh, mental health struggles. You know, it's but the, it's the journey by which we get to have those symptoms which is different. You know, yep. but sorry, I, yep. I, I interrupted. But go on, I, just, I the reason I asked about the symptoms before you went there is I was trying to understand what what state you're in because. You didn't go there. I can't be wrong. You didn't go to the Peruvian base and looking to get a, a fix, if you like, to get fixed, did you? Well, I was so hopeless, mate. Yeah, I kind of was, actually. It was okay. the last chance saloon, you know, just was, nothing else was working. Um, I say that. That's not technically true because part of what I do professionally now, I teach um, what's called the internal arts, also internal martial arts, things like Tai Chi and Qigong meditation. Um, so concurrently, I'd just been introduced to those practices just before I was going to Peru. So I, I studied in China a couple of times and they, they have been life-saving as well, but they're as a combined form of treatment, they're very, very good. So psychedelic therapy and these other practices, these daily practices that I do, as opposed to this one-off massive event, this catalyst for healing. Then the other practices, it's what I do every day, you know, for an hour or two. 
meditation and discipline and routine they're just those things alone you know and their forms of meditation as you say exactly. i see the physical fitness as a form of meditation in a way and a form of routine it keeps you on the street it's the it's the point of reference by which i can hang everything else you know that bit of but a bit of routine that it's the normality if everything else is crazy i've got something i can i've got a point of reference i can cling on to when everything's falling around yeah. around me but um it's really I, important that that discipline that you know our community as well is is pretty good for it have but that personal discipline to do something take responsibility for yourself and do something every day yes physical exercise is important it's not enough on its own but it's very very important but trying to find a time when you can be physically still and mentally still and just spend some time in that state every day even if it's five minutes two, two minutes yeah You've got to start somewhere yeah let, let, let's um yeah, let's come back to the. I, I really want to focus on. Sorry, I, it was me. I took it off. There. I really want to focus on the psychedelic aspect. Yeah, for, for, for my own understand more than anything. Like I said, I'm at the start of the journey. I think um, I've experienced some benefits from psychedelics quite recently, on a really small scale. And but like anything, I, I there is skepticism around it. Okay, um, I've heard a lot of anecdotal stuff and read a lot and seen a lot of the benefits it can have. All right, but uh, I want to understand it more. So I, I take the if I'm going to take further steps, take the right steps forward and do it properly, because you do it wrong, it just it it's you know it, it just not just not great. So I'm really keen to hear yes. experience. Tell me about You're absolutely this. right you... there as well, by the way. And now I'm just a big believer in you do these things right. You don't. There's the opportunity for healing anyway, regardless. Okay, but there's also the opportunity for things to go a little bit awry. You can have you can have a difficult experience, right? So it's important that if you're unsure, like you've just admitted to yourself, if you're uncertain, then you need to do a little bit of research and ask people that trustworthy reference points about how to do this properly in a safe way. So that's, we can talk about that a little bit later, yeah. but that's very important. The other aspect to it is you've got the healing aspect, if that's what you're after. You know, you got the, you can go pear-ship aspect, like you're mixing stuff up, or if, or if you're in the right, wrong frame of mind where you're doing certain things. But the other aspect, which I've sort of experienced as well from it, is the, is the opportunity to get a different perspective, a completely different view, and open your mind in, in a way that you wouldn't have thought possible, and see events, instances, experiences, emotions, life in a in a completely different way to what you've been afforded for your whole life and for me that part is what i'm really super interested in super because i've i've had a little sniff of it you know and i and it and it's it's blown my mind in a positive way and not, not a, i'm a different person way but just a, a a way that's improved me in an area of my mind i didn't think was sort of looking for improvement if you know what i mean tell me about the tell me about the uh tell me about your first ios experience then with the shaman talk me through that what was that like how did that come about you know? uh, well it was daunting because i had no idea you know i i wasn't talking to anyone about psychedelic therapy at that point i didn't know anything about ayahuasca other than that it was a weird hopefully healing experience that was all i pretty much knew i just going on the trust in my friend and this network of local people that were there to help me. But I felt intuitively that it, it was worthy of my trust. I didn't feel threatened in any way, but it was still daunting because I thought, you know what, if this works, then who the hell do I become? If this heals me, 
who, I mean, the potential is one limitless, but two very scary because we cling on to these narratives that we, that we are like, or oh, I'm a veteran, I'm a reg bloke, or I'm a banker for JP Morgan or, or all of these narratives. And you wonder, well, if I have too big an experience, maybe I'd become something that I can't cope with. And of course you can cope with it, but it's still daunting. Um, and so just to recap, like my, my mindset going in was nearly hopeless, as, I, as hopeless as I could probably get. But I felt intuitively like this was the right thing to do for me at that time. And so I was staying in this little hut. I didn't have any electricity, no running water other than the river next to me. I had the fruit on the trees around me. And the nearest next person was probably 500 meters. He had a cocoa farm 500 meters further up the river. So if I needed sort of help, he was there. Um, otherwise I was just left to my own devices until the shaman came up on the days and the nights where I would have my ayahuasca experiences. Um, and it, he actually came up, I didn't know what time to expect him, but he came up, he just came up through the jungle up to my little hut and he had a really dirty old Coca-Cola bottle, like a, not a litre one, just like a 75 litre old, and it looked disgusting. It was brown and looked awful. It looked like he just dropped it in mud. And um, he came and sat next to me. He was like, right, you just, um, he poured out a little dirty shot glass of this drink. It was, it looked disgusting. I was thinking, I've drunk worse things. Being in the reg, you know, I've drunk worse things. So <laughs> might as well give it a go. I'm here. But it was, it was brown and thick and disgusting. And um, so I took that shot and I laid down. He laid down. He took a little bit as well. He laid down. And uh, this is at night. You sleep on the floor, on the floor. Yeah, just on the floor in my little hut. So I had a little kind of mattressy thing. Um, he was laying next to me. He just started singing. And uh, it just, after a while, it just, I was listening to his words and his songs. And then everything changed. Everything changed. And I was out in the middle of the universe among the stars and the planets. And I was watching time move and the planets dance around it, it's hard to describe but, but I was having what I suppose what you would typically describe as like a psychedelic experience with the visuals um, but really that's just kind of interesting and it gives you a different perspective mentally when you can appreciate the vastness of space and time and the reality of time but really that's not where my healing was that gave me a valuable perspective like you were mentioning before you had a sniff of a different perspective and that's important but really what happened after that was i heard this voice come through the darkness of space and it said have you finished playing and i, I thought oh um i'm actually having a really nice time just floating around in space watching everything and <laughs> But I suppose if there's work to do, I am here to do some work. So sure, what do, you, what do we do now? And then next thing I knew, I was in a classroom, like an old Victorian classroom. And I was sat behind a desk and there was a blackboard and there was this old lady as a teacher. It was only me in the classroom. And I instinctively knew that this woman in front of me was 
like the spirit of the medicine. I know how this sounds, but I'm just being honest with you, how I experienced it. I knew that she was the medicine in a human form. It's like a dream, isn't it? You, in your dream, you know why everything's there, like within you. That's a great way of putting it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You just know. You just know. You yeah. just know. Um, and she started talking to me about my behavior and my experiences and whether or not, and she would show me them, but I wasn't emotionally invested in the, in the memories. Like I would normally be like seeing my friends die in Afghanistan. I was emotionally, if I revisited it in my mind, the emotions would come up and I would become tense. None of that. It was like a dispassionate objective view of the memory, which was very relieving. Um, but she asked me if my current behavior and my current mindset and the way that I experienced my reality at the time, whether that was healthy or whether it was useful for me. And I said, it, it's not healthy. No, it's really hurtful. It's really harmful and I'm struggling. So then she invited me. She said, well, I can teach you maybe another way of behaving, another way of viewing your reality and your experiences. And so I said, yes, I would love that. I was actually crying at that point. I, in, re in this reality, I was actually crying at this point because I realized that I was actually going to get the help that I wanted. I just knew it, you know, like we would just say. And this is, is this all in the first ayahuasca experience? Uh, this is actually, being truthful, this is actually in my second one, which okay. was only two days later. But I, it's more valuable for the, for the story to, to tell you how I got my healing. No, 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 I'm just asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, you go ahead. You go ahead. Um, and so she, once I gave her permission to teach me, she gave me these lessons. So she would say, okay, let's revisit a normal situation where you would behave in what you would recognize as your normal behavior pattern. So a confrontation, let's say, between you and a person on the street. So I would, in my head, I would, I would be there and someone would confront me and I'd very quickly get angry and I'd try and smash his face in. And then she would say, do you think that that's healthy? Was, no, that's, that's not healthy. Would you like to change that behavior? Yes, I would like to change that behavior. And then she would show me, but she would be me. So she would be showing how she would react to that situation if she was me. I would be watching her, but it would be me as well. Does this all make sense so far? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then so she was confronted in the very same way and she would diffuse the situation with what I now understand is compassion and forgiveness and patience and kindness. And I was, at this point... I was blown away by that, by the ability to do that. And then she said, do you think that that is a healthier way of behaving? Yes, I do. Would you like to be able to behave like that? Yes, I would. Okay. Now we're going to replay that again. And you're left to your own devices. Now you've seen how I would respond. Now you are responsible for your response again. So therefore I would try and be compassionate, forgiving, kind, patient. And if I passed and I felt that it was a success, she would say, very well done. Are you ready for your next lesson? If I failed and I ended up smashing his face in or something, something negative and harmful, she would say, well, you kind of failed that. So should we do that again? 
was a very kind and patient experience. And we went on for hours and hours. And it took me from the very basic of personal human conflict and confrontation, which I struggled with. And it went way up to high sort of spiritual ideals, uh, which I didn't think I was capable of comprehending, but apparently I was in that thanks to this medicine. But I had these lessons for hours and hours and hours of teaching me how to behave in a more healthy way. In, in this reality, which is what's important, you know, we've... we've... Can I ask a question just to contextualise this? Sure. Because it, it's, it sounds crazy and amazing at the same time. And the way you're describing it is in a very rational way, right? Because uh, I'm assuming... Now, I've not had these experiences, but I've heard other people talk about them. Um, it, they haven't talked about it in a methodical way as you are. You, you, you're articulating it really well, I think. But the, to con- contextualise it for... Yeah, people, there are people listening to this who are probably new to new to the subject. Maybe these these lessons and and experiences you're having that happened over hours and hours. These are over hours. These over hours of you laying there under the influence of the ayahuasca. So it's not a so you you actually laying there for hours. Well, it's not like a ten minute experience that felt like hours. You're laying there for hours. Literally. You are having interactions in your subconscious, which is like a dream. It's a dream state, but you are essentially like the way I would interpret it is you were teaching yourself the, the, you were teaching your, yourself the, the, the way of living in which you wish to live, but it's through a story and through characters in your mind and through this experience, which is completely inward, um, you know, inside you mm-hmm. completely realistic, but knowing oh. that it's, but knowing that's a mind state, and, and, and not in the real world and completely rememberable, which is what is different. Is rememberable even a word? It's different to sort of the dreams that we have, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, if that's a helpful way of seeing it, yes, I would agree with what you've just said there. Um, there I, would, I could also put it in other ways, but that's a valuable way of putting it, yes. Like a dream state. Um, I, I consider it to be as real as anything else. I concurrently existing i believe thanks to that medicine that it's that reality is just as real as this reality but we might be going a bit too far now so i like the way that you said it this dream state but the one that's memorable and one that directly influences my behavior here as a human being on earth in my daily in my daily life. Yeah, and I think that can be hard to understand sometimes. So my, my limited experience, and, and uh, this was actually the first time in my adult life. In fact, first time, first time in adult life, yeah, I did mushrooms. And um, some mild hallucinations. I was awake. I had a couple of drinks, but I wasn't smashed. But uh, what I experienced from that was the next day. Um, oh, so while I, was, while I was under the influence of them, I that when I talk about the perception at the start when we talk at the start of the podcast, I was I we, there was a few of us and we had a conversation and I was listening to the conversation and my and I was conversation of stories I'd heard before, but I was thinking and considering them in different ways and interpreting them in different ways than I had before. Knowing I knew I was as well, and I was experiencing different emotions with them, and and seeing a different perspective of the storyteller from their perspective that I had before. And I, was, and I remember consciously thinking it while I was in the influence, you know, and, uh, and thinking, fucking hell, I, I, 
I hadn't ever thought of that before. I don't think I'd been capable of thinking of it that way before. And the next day, for the next day when I woke up, uh, again, very hard to explain. And you, you're really good at explaining it because you were experienced with these kind of experiences. And granted, ayahuasca isn't mushrooms, and mushrooms isn't ayahuasca, right? But the my, I experienced a calmness in me from the moment I woke up that I hadn't. I don't think I've ever experienced in as long as I can remember. And the calmness was not, it wasn't, oh, I feel chilled out. It wasn't like that conscious a thing. It was a, I, 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 I tend to, I, up to that point, I was 10, I, ten, I still have it a little bit now because it was a limited sort of impact it had on me in terms of time it took after. But I wasn't worried about what I was doing next and rushing about and squeezing as much into my diet as I need to do for that day. It wasn't there. I didn't, I, I was like a, chill i went for a walk i got up instead of doing what i'd normally do pack everything up get ready to flip and go i just went for a wander for no particular reason either not because i thought right going for a walk is a good thing to do because it's good for my mind i just felt like going for a wander <laughs> i went for a wander and i remember thinking jesus christ this is i hope this lasts it lasted for several days you know and uh just chilled out i wasn't a different person i wasn't a different i wasn't different emotionally outwardly i was exactly the same person but I was just, uh, in a, in a, how to explain it, I was more happy in myself, you know, in a way that you could probably not perceive to anyone else, outwardly. but inwardly, I was just like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> Let's carry on like this. <laughs> wonderful, man. Wonderful. I'm so happy for you. I'm really happy for you. It's great. It's great. Listen, can I just say one thing about your experience there, just, just mm. in terms of, because we might be influencing people's decisions here. Absolutely. So I think to be responsible, I would advise against mixing things like mushrooms with alcohol. I agree. Uh, <laughs> um, if anything, alcohol, well, scientifically, alcohol is one of the most dangerous substances that we've got in terms of society. It's a drain on the NHS and it, it's killing us is killing us. There's not only the sugar in alcohol, but the, the punishment that our livers, kidneys, and our body goes through from alcohol. Um, so there's that side of it. But also to mix these substances, I would strongly advise against that, especially if you get into the very high medicinal doses of things like magic mushrooms or MDMA, for instance, or, I mean, ayahuasca, yeah it's harder because ayahuasca is out there in the jungle um so yes i would like to make that point quite clear this is where a lot of people fall down and this is where some of the bad things about psychedelics that are being shared a lot of the time not all of the time but a lot of the time it's because people are mixing these substances that are medicines and have been medicines for thousands of years with mixing them with things like alcohol or and worse things like pharmaceuticals that a lot of us are on that's that's not helpful and that can be very dangerous that can be very dangerous so i would just like to say that right now if you're going to do this please seek it out from trustworthy people and try not to mix it with anything we need to be quite as as clean as possible and also i will say that the psychological state of people 
uh, is important to take account of. If you know that you're bordering, if there's a spectrum of mental health here with very healthy here and very in a very difficult place here, like psychosis, things like this. If you know that you're over this end of the spectrum, I would be very careful about using these substances. We have to be very responsible um, and careful. So, but if you're in the middle bracket where you're struggling, you know you're struggling and you could be struggling hard as well. You do need to take yourself off of pharmaceuticals and don't drink with these substances as well. Even things like caffeine heavily influences your experiences. So there's lots of things to be taken into account here, but at the same time, you had a very positive experience by the sounds of it. So I, I mean, I love it. I love it. But at the same time, to put Shabil on your point, there was someone with me who did not. There was right. someone with me at the same time who did not, and it was a very bad experience for him. And, uh, and that was... Oh, the, again, I see. Right. Okay. Yeah, there was someone with me who had a very bad experience at the same time, and, and that, was, that was just down to what else was contributing to the, that sort of that, that, uh, chemical influence, if you like. Yeah. Um, also, I'll be one, you know? Yeah, yeah. Also, these experiences, I know that I was saying through my experience with ayahuasca, um, it's still very, very difficult. I was in tears through my, through, for many different reasons, but I was having very, very difficult experiences on ayahuasca and I've had mushrooms as well. And they've been hard. So there's this idea of having this bad trip that people talk about. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean that it's not valuable, doesn't mean that it's not healing and rewarding. There's a, it can be very unpleasant and not healing if you mix it and you do it irresponsibly and you don't take care to do it properly, yes, you can have a difficult, difficult experience. But you can do everything correctly and safely and it still might be bloody difficult. But that doesn't mean it's not going to sort you out. It's just healing is a very, healing is a hard thing. You know, it's probably the hardest thing that we'll ever experience to, to heal ourselves of the shit that we've experienced. It's hard. So don't expect it to be easy. You, you had a lovely experience. But when we start talking about, well, I don't know what dosage you took, but if we start talking about very medicinal doses, chances are it's going to be hard. You're, you're going to have to face up to some dark stuff, but you'll come out of it. I'm entirely convinced if it's done properly with the right intention and the right setting and the correct dosage and with the, with the right mindset, I am convinced that it will be valuable, but I'm not going to say that it's going to be easy and it's not going to be lovely and flowers and, you know, <laughs> unicorns and things like that. <laughs> it can be hard. So, so, so continue on, continue on with the ayahuasca experience. What was, yeah, continue on where you left off. If you don't mind. Um, well, so really, really that's the kind of the general, experience it was these lessons yeah, i was talking about these lessons and then the tests so i would have the lesson and i would understand that it was harmful for me and other people in different settings so that could be in a relationship that could be just in my own mind how how i went through a psychological process thinking process um i would view it see it as harmful or negative she would then I say she because she, she appeared to me in female form. She would show me a healthier way of doing it. I would agree that it was a healthier way of doing it. And I would try and recreate 
that same behavior that she gave me as an example. If I did it, I passed and went on to the next one. If I failed very patiently, very kind, she said, let's do that one again. There was no screaming and shouting um, or, oh, you've done something wrong, no judgment, no condemnation. It was just, oh, maybe there's some more work to be done on that particular aspect of, of your behaviors. Let's give it another go. It was really gentle, very forgiving, compassionate, kind. It was wonderful. Whereas my experience with mushrooms, mushrooms, I, I would say he, uh, because it just feels that way. Mushrooms is a lot harder experience. He doesn't fuck around. Excuse my language. He kind of just goes straight in. It's like, listen, you've been messing around. This is all on you. This is all your responsibility. Are you, do you want to sort yourself out? Do you want to fix yourself? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay, let's do it. And it goes straight very hard, whereas my ayahuasca experience was, um, it was so soft and forgiving. She's like a grandmother. You were talking about your experiences, right? Where it, it, it's like there's a person there you're being taught, right? Do you find that, do you find that from your experience and, and talking with other people who've, who've um, you know, uh, especially with ayahuasca, done these experiences, do you find that, everyone's experiences are, are quite different. I've never heard the way you're describing it like that before. And the teacher student mentality is I've never heard that before. The way I've heard them, the, the, one, the way I've heard it described is, you know, you were talking about the, the planets and, and I've heard it described like that before uh, in terms of almost like an out of body, uh, a different perception of, of, of the world, you, what your place is, what, what, things mean in general but not on a specific level like you're talking about with teacher student relationship that sounds intense i don't know if i'd be happy with that (laughs) (laughs) well until you're in it you won't know (laughs) um, i agree with you i think my experience was actually a little bit atypical um and yes from what i've come to understand now working in this sphere is that yes the more common experience is space and time and the interconnectedness of all things I, I had that experience as well for sure i didn't mention it because it's so much more common to have that experience um but at the end of the day we all we all bring our own psyche and our own problems and our own behaviors to the experience and we get a personal experience this is the point it's a personal experience it's not a generic experience and it's true it's driven by your mind. This is the point, isn't it? So going back to your point of, you know, the disclaimer that you gave that maybe we should have given at the start of the podcast. It's you need to be, your body physically needs to be in the right place. I.e., what's in it and what's not in it. And, um, and your mind needs to be in not a hideous place. Uh, or not. A, well, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be, you know, schizophrenia, psychosis. The, the, that would be irresponsible. I think I, I feel for the people that are struggling because it's, I'm not sure where we go with people like that. Maybe plant medicines do still help, but I'm not in a qualified position. I'm nowhere near a qualified position to be able to comment on that. All I know is that it feels very dangerous and irresponsible to start talking about those conditions and psychedelic experiences. But there's a whole swathe of society that aren't operating at that end of the spectrum, right? So there's still plenty of healing opportunity for lots of people. Well, you keep mentioning healing. There's a healing opportunity and there's the growth opportunity. Yep. You know, growth from a place where maybe they don't need it. I don't think they need healing. 
there's that growth opportunity, which is you know partly why I'm interested in it. But when you came back from Peru, what changed? What what how, what were you doing differently, if anything? Um, so my son swore to me that he thought that I was sat naked in the jungle licking frogs and that I'd gone mad because I came oh, home. You, you oh, so you had kids at the time? Yeah, my son's actually in two para now. <laughs> he's like, he's like 21 this year. Um, um, so yeah, I came back from the jungle. I went to the jungle and I was pretty much, I'd been out of the reg for maybe two years. So, so I still, you know, I still had that about me. I came back from Peru and I was like some sort of monk, some sort of like spiritual guru. This is his, this is my son's perspective, you know, I, and I spoke, and it's true to a degree. I had this awareness of the interconnectedness of all things. And I'd just been taught that my behaviors were now harmful and inappropriate. And I was able to behave in a totally different way. So it was a profound change. There's no two ways about it. It was a profound change. Did you see them and, as a positive change? Entirely. Yeah, entirely. I'm the man I am today because I'm that same man. I've, I've actually grown and developed more. No, did he? Did your son? See yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just weird. It was just weird. You know, he was like, uh, you're supposed to be this war hero from Afghan and now you're talking about peace and love and non-violence. <laughs> and so, so it's weird, but, but healthy, right? <laughs> and then he goes and signs up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, keep going. Um, so yeah, I think my parents were a little bit, oh, uh, keeps a bit different. And... But no one could no one could doubt that it was wholly positive. This is the thing. It was just like, wow, he's very different. But it's not bad. It's great. He seems to be more peaceful. And I was. I was genuinely, and I am to this day, genuinely peaceful and content and able. I'm, the best thing that's come out of it is that I'm in a position to help other people now. Whereas before I was just trying to deal with my own shit. I was just, that was my whole life. I was just trying to get through every day and just try and survive. Whereas after that, my whole perspective was, well, how can I help people? Uh, what can I do with this knowledge? What can I do with this skill and experience? Well, I can help people. And it's a lovely place to be, right? We've got that when we lose, when we leave the military, we lose that purpose. We lose that sense of self-worth because we don't have this role this respect that we've that we build up from from our position this role that we perform but now if i'm able to help people i feel self-respect and self-worth and i love myself and i feel so content and grateful with for my whole life it's just a wonderful totally transformed perspective on life from one that was intense suffering to one that is now dedicated to helping people and i've got my purpose so many people would sell or pay such a lot of money just for some purpose again some meaning in life and it gave me it gave me that it's priceless <laughs> it's just priceless mm. Mm. did you so did you decide to continue with um uh, using psychedelics for your sort of mental growth no so what what she told me at the beginning so she ayahuasca the, the medicine sorry um 
she said at the beginning of the second um, experience, which is where she was teaching me, she said, I'm going to give you everything that you ever wanted. And you'll never need anything else other than what you're going to learn here. So I took that at face value. And so I haven't done ayahuasca again. I've only done ayahuasca twice, those, those two times in 2013, 14. Oh, I thought you said it was over seven or eight days that you did a bunch of them. It was only twice you did it. Yeah, I was there for 10 days, but I only needed two. After the second one, I was just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm healed. So I don't need any more. I could have done more. Could have done as, you know, we, we'll speak about the charity work that I do and, and perhaps dosages a little bit later, but... After the second one, I just, you know, I'm, I'm okay, man. Thanks very much. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good to go. But because of that, I didn't feel inclined to do any more psychedelics after that. I have actually done mushrooms since then. Uh, and they've been very helpful, but not quite what ayahuasca was for me. So what was the reason for um, experiencing the mushrooms then? Uh, I went into that respectfully, but I went into it more as a, I still had a couple of physical things in my body uh, that were causing me issues. You know, I was struggling with my physical body. So my mind was doing well, but physically I was still in a bit of pain. And I just thought, I feel inclined to try mushrooms. And my friend did it at the same time. So we went off into the forest and we just spent a weekend um, with a very high dose of mushrooms each. And I asked for help with my body now so instead my perspective going into ayahuasca to peru was that my mind was a mess and it was my whole life was a mess but she dealt with my psyche and my behaviors and my emotional responses to those experiences i went into mushrooms asking for a little bit of help in my body because i come from the perspective from what i understand is that our our psychological experiences and the stresses and the traumas that we experience from our daily life, and particularly as veterans, these stresses and traumas that yes, they affect the mind, but I come from the perspective that the body and the mind are one thing. And therefore when the mind becomes tense and is traumatized, that's reflected in the body. The body becomes tense and holds that trauma and that tension so it can be it can be considered something like habitual tension which we all have and is harmful to us um, or it can be doubt outright trauma like physical trauma um, and while my mind had been healed i recognized that there was still some stuff in my body that i couldn't get rid of i couldn't i didn't have the tools i needed to work on the physical level like what? Can you, can you elaborate on what you're experiencing or not physically? Uh, yeah. So I still held the habit that I'd formed to tense my body through the, through the anxiety that I experienced pre ayahuasca that, that had become a habit. So when I would experience the least little bit of stress, even though psychologically and <clears throat> externally in my behaviors, I could choose to respond with patience and kindness and all of these things. I, fully able to do that but I recognized that actually parts of my body were still very tense I, I hadn't actually released a lot of the some of the tension from my body like in my lower abdomen I was actually still quite tense and across my chest as well and so I asked for a little bit of help from the mushrooms to help me deal with the physical 
tension that was still stored in my body, the residual tension that was stored in my body. And that's when I started going much, much deeper into my work with the internal arts like Tai Chi, Qigong, meditation and other things like that. So while I do that professionally, it's my personal practice on a daily, daily basis. Um, and that is what gets the habitual tension and the new tension because we experience stress every day. The new tension that comes into my body, I release that by way of these practices and not through psychedelic therapy. I not sure if I see myself ever doing psychedelic therapy again, because my mind is in a very good place, but I'm not saying no, but I don't feel inclined to, whereas I still got work to do on my body. That's why I do these other practices. Yeah. I can see how they work like that. And, and the reason I, so I, I, I see the benefits of meditation. I, I'm not in a position at the moment. Well, I just not able to do it regularly. And when I say able, psychologically able I just I'm not um disciplined enough to get into that I'm trying but I'm not but one of the things one of the ways I managed to do the meditation is uh, when the fucking gyms are open I like to get in the sauna a few times a week and I'll go in the sauna for 20 minutes and I'll go in the sauna I'll sit down and one of the advantages of the sauna is you can't go into your phone you can't go into anything else you can't go in the book you're there with you and your mind I like to go in there for 20 minutes for the physical benefits of the 20 minutes but I use it as an opportunity to meditate. And I, I count the, the, the 1,200 seconds in, a, in 20 minutes. And I, I, I try and count the 1,200 um, in, in the tempo of one, two, three in seconds, right? Um, but one of the things, I, I, the way I can, I understand what you're saying in terms of the, the physical benefits that meditation can have is, from my experience, when you're alone with your thoughts, when you're alone with nothing else and you are, practicing focusing which is all meditation is you're practicing focusing you're practicing doing nothing is what you're doing and being comfortable doing nothing you know in your own headspace is that you become much more self-aware self-aware mentally and self-aware physically mm-hmm. and uh, and one of the ways it's helped me on the physical side is i have experienced that that the, the not um not being ten not tense in so much frequently all the time but a constant movement where I have to be doing something. The body has to move in, tapping my foot, tap my foot constantly, triddling my hands, that just completely subconscious. Yeah. Maybe nervous energy, whatever you want to call it. I'm not comfortable being told I'm nervous because obviously I'm a reg bloke. I'm never nervous. (laughs) But, but one of the things that the meditation helps me with just being in the sauna for 20 minutes in my own mind, closing my eyes, sitting in a decent posture. I'm, I'm much more aware of my physical state, what my body's doing on a minute by minute basis than I was ever before, which means I can see those issues and address them. And it also helps me to spot Ill, uh, injuries much further ahead than what I would do normally. It would normally take until the pain was chronic, not chronic, the pain was really painful for it to me to go, ah, oh, well, now I, I feel a little niggler injury coming way beforehand. So I go, okay, tone down the running or tone down the X, Y, whatever you're doing, you know, I, I see this. And but on the mental side with the, with the meditation is that focus. I had real, real issues with focus and concentration for a long time. And one of the things with the meditation is it's helped me come, helped me come back on, on Come, come back online with it and the short-term memory come back online with it come short-term memory on the whole is a lot better but it's still fucking diabolical sometimes but generally it's getting better and i put, I, I do put a lot of that into one the meditation side but also a lot of you know i love just becoming more uh, aware of uh 
the mental state, mental well-being, you know, just in general. Never mind the mental ill health, just mental, just being more aware mentally, you know. Partly, maybe partly that's because of some of the limited experience I've had with the, with the mushrooms and other stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm absolutely on board. The, the, mind, in, the mind and the body, they're, 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 they're one. They are, you know, on a scientific basis, obviously they're separate and the way things go about, you've got conscious and you've got physical relationships, but they're one and one affects the other and vice versa. Physical body, physical, uh, healthy body, healthy mind, healthy mind, healthy body. And you hear that repeatedly, but when you think about it in depth, experience the benefits of it in depth and the relationship between the two, it, it's like a, it's like a, no, pardon it's me, a revelation. It's a, a no brainer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it is a revelation in in some ways it is a revelation when you really genuinely experience it not on an intellectual level when you fully experience and understand and comprehend that the mind and the body are one and that you can affect either one with the other game changer days could i just go back to your experiences with meditation you say that you don't give yourself much time it doesn't sound like you're giving yourself much credit for the growth and the development Honestly, you being able to understand that you've got an injury coming in your body or that you've got nervous energy, however you want to vocalize that, that's advanced stuff, man. I teach this stuff for a living and I can tell you, your experiences inside your body with your paying attention to your physical body, it's pretty advanced stuff. So I think you should give yourself some more credit for what you've been doing there. Really, really impressive. Well, I'm awesome, aren't I? I'm joking. <laughs> You it are. doesn't feel like it. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like it at all. It just seems like I just seem like uh, I'm just just more aware of it because I pay more attention. Do you know what I mean? That's all it is. But that's and, what. And, that's and, all and, it is. Exactly. And, and the only reason it's come about is the only reason it's come about is from hearing other people talk about it. You know, um, and especially for the last few years with the stigma around talking about mental health and stuff is is existing, but it's it's sort of getting better. The stigma's getting less. It's just it's just I'm being lucky to expose to a lot of information and I understand it. But I, again. I'd like to articulate that to other people. I, uh, unlike like your experience, I ask. I'm not a not a changed person. Over time, I'm a gradually improving person, and that's where I aim to be. It's it's it, and that that's it, man. That's it. Because that why wouldn't great. you want to be? <laughs> why wouldn't you want to be? You know exactly. To be the able to say is, that, what a gift. The problem is people aren't people aren't uh, people aren't fully aware or fully conscious of what their body or their mind is experiencing, right? Whether it's positive or negative, and that's shit. Especially on the positive side, you know, because if not experiencing fully the positive the, the, the positive place that they're in, then that's crap. But again, on the equal side, if they're you know if they're experiencing a, a bad uh, a, they're having a bad experience, something that's causing them to be less. Uh, less uh, content than they what they should be. I'm trying to avoid like happy and positive. Less content than what they could be, but they they can't see that. That's only because they're, they're just not they're not used to looking below, scratching below the surface of what the conscious is, right? And it sounds all fluffy. No, it's 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 just an art we've forgotten. That's all it is. It's an art we've forgotten, especially for the last 10, 15 years. It's being comfortable in our own minds. I'd argue that before the advent of smartphones and technology and internet, 15, 20 years ago, we were much, we as general, in general, people were much more in touch with their mind and their body and much more content simply because they had the opportunity to sit at a bus stop waiting with nothing else to do but sit at a bus stop waiting and thinking about the events that have just happened, thinking about experiences, thinking about the emotions that they feel, thinking about what they're going to do later on, not being consumed by what's on their phone, for example. We just had that. We were always, there was always time to focus on you and think about what's going on. You didn't think about it like that at the time because it wasn't thought about that. You're just sitting there passing the time in your own mind. 
You try getting a kid to do that these days. You try getting most adults to do that these days. After two minutes, after 60 seconds maybe, they're going to be one in their phone. Put it next to them. They're going to be one in their phone. They're going to want to stand up and walk about. They're going to want to ring someone. They're just not come through with it. It's an art we've lost. And we need to pull ourselves. I genuinely believe we need to pull ourselves back to it. You know, and, and what, you, what we're talking about now with the, sort of the psychedelic experiences, this is like just a couple of levels up in sort of understanding or experience what lies in our minds. What is there to expose and what can you benefit from it? Very well said. Here ended the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's great, man. And all that's required is patience and discipline. You know, discipline is something that the military community don't really struggle with. But that's a bit of a generalization, I understand. But it takes a bit it's of forced on it, but it's because it's forced on us. Because it's forced on us. One of the things I really struggle with since I've left is self-discipline. Because mm. it's not, I'm not having, I, I, I have to enact it now. Mm. And it's, that's a different kettle of fish to deal with than, being, and then having to enact it. Mm. Yeah. I think what comes, an easier way to think about discipline is that you're responsible. You're, there's no one else to blame. There's no one else that's going to do anything for you. you. No one else is going to do this for you and get you better, whatever, or no one else is going to develop you. No, nothing. It's all on you. It's all on me to do it for me. And as soon as you give yourself that power and that authority and you prioritize your, your life that way, like, well, I'm entirely responsible for how I feel and how I view my life. Then two minutes out of your day to meditate or walk in the woods and try and reconnect with nature, which is, I think is a massive part of what you were talking about there with the digital connection comes at a cost of the natural connection. Um, just giving yourself half an hour to go and walk in a forest, giving yourself two minutes every day to sit quietly and do nothing other than just maybe watch yourself breathe. I know you count and there are lots of different methods, but just sitting quietly, not, not moving physically. If you keep yourself physically still for long enough, the mind follows because the mind and the body are one. If you sit still for long enough, the mind will start to still itself as well. And with a still mind, all sorts of other wonderful things start to happen as well. Two minutes to start with, that's not a long time. Everyone has two minutes. You can do two minutes five times a day. So you're meditating for increasingly longer periods of time every day. You're giving yourself experiences in nature. These are all healthy things for you to do and you're responsible for it. No one else is gonna, make, no one else is gonna sit quietly for you. No one else can go and walk in the forest for you. No one else can do yoga, running, swimming for you. You gotta do it, you're responsible. So take responsibility for yourself and do it. It's, I know it's hard. If it was hard, we wouldn't be sat here talking. If it was easy, we wouldn't be sat here talking about it. But we're responsible. So if we start to see it that way and that, how much power that is, that's a beautiful thing. That's so much power. We are entirely responsible for ourselves. That's the power like few people can really comprehend just how, how precious that is. But just start small. You don't have to meditate for an hour every day. That would be impossible if you've never done it before. But two minutes is definitely possible. Walking in the woods is definitely possible. All of these things, you know, just for shorter periods of time. Yeah, it's hard to convey without it sounding airy, fairy and fluffy to people who, you know, sort of not, don't understand, don't really see it as that. 
very, very fluffy bullshit, or just find it hard to see what the positives are on about it. I, the way I see it is this, okay, the, the, it's the mind easily worked on. I, my, I, I think the way I can convey it into a practical, a practical explanation of how I use uh, physical activity or meditation or changing my mind state in the practical sense is, if I have a problem, um, if I have stress, and stress for example, if I have a problem, be that a problem at work, be that a problem, uh, relationship problem, uh, whatever relationship, misses, parents, kids, any friends, you know, any of that stuff. Or if I have, um, if I need to find this, if I want to find the answer to something I want to change, maybe something creativity, maybe I've got a direction I feel like I want to go with a podcast or, or something like that, or again, go about the relationship and emotional side of things. The way it's really hard to uh, to find to it's really hard to, it's really f- hard to find the answer, find the solution that you don't know exists. If you're going to stay in the same place physically, right, or mentally as you always have been, you're experiencing the same things. The key to finding a way forward in anything, improving in anything, finding a solution in anything, right, in anything part of your life is. You need to change the way you need to change the situation for your brain, so it enables it to see the problem, the situation from a different perspective. Now I'm not preaching; this is how I'm explaining it. Right? You need to see it from a different perspective, and the easiest, most simplest way to put your brain in a different state, just slightly, just change something slightly, the very at the very minimum, is do something a little bit different. Do something that is not your normal twenty-four, you know, what you do day in day out, your mind state. Like you were saying, to when I meditate, it is normally for three to five minutes. That when I meditate, not in the sauna, I use Headspace. Sometimes I'll use, I'll use, I'll do three to five minutes, right? But you can, like you said, you can do it for two. If I got a problem, I need to be creative. I go for a walk or I go for a run, and the best, the best uh, ideas and the most useful ideas I've had, a majority of me running. No music in my ears. And I started doing this a year ago. No, get rid of get rid of it. I don't want any input. I want me running my mind. Because if I my feet are running, I've got nothing else. My mind is running too. And that physical and mental relationship, it sounds the physical, the brain and the the body and the mind are one. It sounds hey, fantastical, but it's actually it's scientific basis for it. It's just on the on the on the basis that you do physical activity, it releases certain chemicals into the brain that influence the way the brain works. It's like. You know, I, I, and that's genuine. When I do uh, when I do the meditation oriented activities, and I include physical activity in that, like running or like uh, uh, anything where I'm, but I'm not taking any other information in apart from what I'm doing at the time, no iPod or anything like that. They're the times I am most creative. They're the times where I I'm, I find it easiest to find solutions to problems that would otherwise have taken days or weeks, or I would not have got a solution. I would have just been plodding along thinking, fuck, I don't know what to do really you know yep couldn't agree more man yeah there are other layers beyond that as well but that's really incredibly valuable you've got creative answers yourself and it comes from that removing yourself from ingesting data and being influenced by external sources facebook whatever it is music whatever it is Disconnect yourself briefly for increasingly longer periods of day from that. And you begin to understand that you've probably got most of the answers yourself. You just can't hear them because you've got all this noise 
coming in through the eyes, through the ears, all sorts of different. So try and slow down that input and what you're ingesting and digesting, change what you're ingesting and digesting and just try and listen to, to yourself and you'll probably come up with the answers. Um, well, we've got, got a few minutes left. How are you using your experiences now to help other people? You, we've mentioned the charity as well, but so, to, talk to me. What are you doing? Where, so, where, where, what services are they going to kind of hit you up for next week? <laughs> so in terms of my charity work, we, uh, in, uh, in March last year, I started Heroic Hearts UK. And Heroic Hearts is a non-profit organization aimed at helping UK military and emergency services veterans gain legal access to psychedelic therapy at re uh, retreat centers around the world. So in Peru and Netherlands, for instance. Um, so again, that's for UK military and emergency services veterans. Sorry, just to jump in. There's been some positive, uh, uh, positive news over the last 48 hours about DMT, isn't there? In the UK, we... uh, it's gr it's hard to keep up with all of the news, to be honest, because there's so much progress being made. This is really, I, I don't like, this isn't the right term, boom industry, because it feels like it's the industry, but it will be. But it's also just in booming in awareness. Um, so the, the advances that are being made in terms of research is, is crazy. There's very few things are actually advancing quite as quickly as research into psychedelic therapy. You know, you're probably looking at AI. Um, yeah, psychedelic therapy is really a huge um, focus for research across, at least certainly Western civilization. In the US, Canada is very advanced, and the UK is kind of not plodding along, but we're being restricted here in the UK with our scheduling laws. Um, so, yes, so going back to the charity Heroic Hearts UK, we fully fund veterans to go and have psychedelic experiences or the opportunity for psychedelic experiences at retreat centers that we've vetted and that are professional and safe and we yeah that's our that's our primary goal as a charitable organization is to facilitate these opportunities we don't um we don't administer any illegal substances like we so we don't operate here in the uk because it's illegal but in Peru, perfectly legal. Netherlands, perfectly legal. So we offer these experiences to veterans um, and it's paid for via our funding. So uh, the veterans, we like to have ask veterans to contribute in some way, normally in their travel, in their paying for their own travel, because then they've got something in the game. You know, they're committed themselves, but we pay for the retreat experience as a charity. And um, yeah, at the moment, obviously, we can't operate because of COVID lockdowns, but it's, it's a very, very exciting time for psychedelics and the potential that they can help us grow and develop just as individuals, but also as a society. I believe this is going to be a society changing, a very profound change in society within the next five years, 10 years. It's going to be profound. I hope so. We need a change. We need a positive change, definitely, with what's going on at the minute. And to be honest, until you just said that, I can't. I haven't been able to see a way out of it. The way the way things are at the moment, uh, especially in the Western world, it's absolutely it's just fucking terrible. You know, uh, it's not good at all the way we're going. Uh, but you've just given me some light at the end of the tunnel, actually. You know, yeah. No, you might be right there, mate. 
Might be right. Um, well, I believe it. And the evidence is, is growing day by day. We've, the charity, we've got our own clinical academic research uh, personnel. So we're doing our own researches in addition to all of the stuff that's going on at Johns Hopkins or uh, Imperial or King's Manchester University as well. This research is being done on a massive scale all across Western civilization, again, particularly America and Canada. And it's so exciting. There's, it's not just PTSD, so it's not just veterans. It's on depression and anxiety, eating disorders. There's so much scope for this as a therapy. Uh, it just needs to be done respectfully, carefully in safe environments. And, and it needs to be done properly. And yeah. like we spoke about with the influences of other chemical agents, we need to be careful of that. We need to be very careful. Yeah, I, I just want to I want to highlight on that point. I think try and try to mention it towards the start of the podcast before we finish off. Is that you know we, we talk about especially the mental Ill, Ill health. We talk about practices and methods for improving the situation in your mind, but we we there's that we talk about them as as heal healing stuff and fixes for problems, which they absolutely are. Okay, and and again different things with different people not everything suits the one person everyone has it on individual ways but but also aside from that the things we talk about especially we talk about mental health whether we talk about psychedelics or we're talking about just well you know well-being practices these are things that can improve you improve your mind whether you think if you think you're in a good place and can't place the place you want to be but you've never tried any of these things and practices and talk about not necessarily talking about psychedelics again control just in general okay yes. this is stuff it, uh, and this is my experience in areas of my mind where I didn't think I needed improving. That can improve you. Take you to that. You may think you're in a good place. Take yourself to a better place. Give yourself the opportunity. And why not? Why not try something new? Because especially uh, when you just talk about the practice and stuff, where there's not that element of risk associated with uh, substances. But why not try it? What have you got to lose? Put you give it, put your mind in a different state and experience it and see how you come out the other end because it ain't going to be worse off. You can be better off, generally speaking. Um, and I'm, again, I'm talking about the practices that involve substances. <laughs> Keith, you were the man with you were the man with the uh, with the advice and the guidance on the substance side of things. And, uh, well, I could also help with the the meditation and the daily practices. You know, these course, are yeah. powerful tools. Powerful tools. It's what I do professionally. So, the psychedelic therapy. That's what I do for charitable purposes, trying to help everyone really but veterans but um these daily practices things it's not just tai chi i mentioned tai chi because people kind of know the name and you know it might have a negative connotation where people think oh, i'm not going to just mince around waving my arms slowly and whatnot but there's powerful powerful practices that are that even if you're in a good place you're there's no ceiling <laughs> there's no ceiling so just keep improving yourself keep developing keep getting even better and like you say, access to creativity, it's not all about just healing, access to creativity, all sorts of things that can illuminate your life and make things even better. So even if you are a powerful, powerful individual doing, you think, you know, you're doing great, you can still be better. It's limitless. There are aspects of creativity that sometimes I need to, I need to be able to do and I, I, I'm I am unable to do them effectively without certain things in my body. That's a fact. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I, it's one of the biggest, it's one of the biggest eye openers that's been for me over the last couple of years, all the negative uh, uh, opinions and perceptions of certain 
drugs and especially psychedelics I had before. Now I see it as I've done properly. These are fucking amazing. It's amazing. Whoever you are, they can be amazing for whoever you are. Mate, look at the time. What's your website? KeithJAbram.com, right? That's right. Yes. And uh, HeroicHeartsUK.com as well for the charity. Thank you. Perfect. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. We should do this again. I feel the same way. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Listen, good luck with the new year and uh, I will see you when uh, COVID's over. Wonderful. Cheers, man. Have a good day, mate. That's it. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Again, there's merchandise available at shop.charliecharlie1.com. And if you want to become a patron of the podcast and get certain benefits there and become part of a niche little group of ultra fans, you can do that at Patreon dot com forward slash hk podcasts or go to the website charliecharlie1.com and um just hit the button become a patron cool uh no thank you to my sponsors but dan of veteran trees at veteran underscore trees on instagram bespoke handcrafted or and or cnc crafted uh would work woodwork does it a disservice i don't know why i said that woodwork he does alley flipping wood handcrafted products we're talking like coasters like i've got in the in the studio which are like ta- they're specially made for hr i got hr branded i didn't my missus got them branded in and given to me as a gift and the coasters or like tables he does massive tables and he can turn the whole table into whatever you want it to be a cat badge carved in maybe amazing thank you dan at veteran trees um also the aardvark group since 1982 trying to rid the world of unexploded ordnance and uh anti-personnel and anti-tank mines through technical innovations they're ninjas at it they're also ninjas that support the military community and they also employ a huge percentage of uh, a huge percentage of the workforce are ex-military so aardvark.group is the website or just look on social media for the aardvark group and finally but definitely not least rugby for heroes a not-for-profit organization raising money for military charities uh, through fundraising events rugby oriented fundraising events alcohol drinking oriented fundraising events sublime food eating oriented fundraising events you can find rugby for heroes on uh, social media at rugby number four heroes an amazing organization i'm very glad to be a part um associated with them and all of the other sponsors thank you very much that's it until the next time out <laughs>